Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Winifred. I'm going to keep the intro super short because uh, this is a pretty long episode, but it's so fun. <laughs> we talked about so many different subjects. And so I'm going to just go ahead and give it to you. I call this episode Blurred is the Word. Yes, Blurred is the Word. And you're going to understand why that's what this episode is called. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of W-I-N-I-F-R-E-D, the podcast. Thank you for joining us. And I have another awesome guest. All my guests are awesome. I have Cool Colas. Um, and I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Let them know what you're about um, and what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. So as she said, my name is Cool Colas. And um, what I do is I am a overall black creative. So I write books, I work on comic scripts and I create board games. And it's for the sole purpose of creating a system where I'm allowing people to have fun and enjoy what I'm creating, but also to be educated. So it's being entertained and educated at the same time. I think that's so awesome. And I have so many questions for you, a couple of things I want to get into. But first, mm-hmm. I like to start by, you know, learning about a person's childhood because, you know, they say things that happen in your childhood kind of shape you um, mm-hmm. for the most part. So can you tell me about the child version of yourself? What were you into? What was kind of like your family upbringing? Definitely. So I grew up in Oak Park, Michigan. I don't know if you know where that's at, but it's a suburb that's around the Detroit area. So really, I grew up basically in Detroit, in Metro Detroit. Um, I was an only child. I went to a private school and I went from private school from uh, elementary to high school. And I was raised by my mom, my grandmother, for the most part. And I was pretty creative as a child. So I did a lot of nerdy things. I, I was into drawing. I played a lot indoors. I was more of the creative kid. I was more into that type of stuff. Very interesting. And mm-hmm. ah, when I hear people use that word nerd, and we'll, we'll get into it, I guess, a little down the line. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. what is a nerd? Because I don't know. I feel like people categorize like what is nerdy? What isn't nerdy? And I feel like mm-hmm. we learn that at such a young age, it's just kind of like we're told Mm -hmm. this is what a nerd is, but I feel like people just are into what they're into. And some people use that word nerd as it's like, like it's a negative, but I love how Mm -hmm. people are now kind of spinning it as a positive. Did anyone ever call you a nerd as a kid? Oh, all the time and as an adult. Me too. Me too, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was classified as a nerd. So, okay. Yeah, you know, the struggle is. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) the struggle was real, but it's so funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like later in life, I guess there was kind of like a shift where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I woke up one day and I was somehow no longer a nerd. Um, But (laughs) 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 I don't even want to get into it. But okay. So in your family, were there a lot of other creatives around? Like you mentioned your mother, your grandmother, was there any relative that was like known to also be a creative as well? Not really. So I'm, I'm pretty different from my 
like pretty much everyone in my family in ideals, personality, interests, talents, like totally different. And typically children, they're influenced by someone who is in their life to some extent. I didn't really have role models growing up like that. So anything that I was personally interested in was from my own desire, I guess, for lack of better words. And I read my own interest from the things, things I enjoy as an adult. We froze for a quick second. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, sorry about that. Um, I'm sorry, it cut, <laughs> it cut off. <laughs> we'll edit that out. So you said you were kind of like, you know, you kind of stood out, you were a little different, not really sure if there was anybody um, who was also into what you were into. And if they were, you didn't know about them. So right. talk about private school, private school. Um, Cause mm -hmm. I feel like private school is a unique experience. Uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of people don't get, don't, don't get to experience. So can you tell me about private school life from your perspective? Because I think outsiders mm -hmm. kind of have an idea of what private school is like, but you know, unless you've been through it, you really don't know. So what was like mm -hmm. a day in the life as a child in private school? Definitely. So I grew up, just to give you a little bit of context, I grew up in private school from elementary school to high school. My elementary school, I was in a private Catholic school with like other black kids. So it was a all black school pretty much. And when I was in high school, it was a little bit different because I had all different types of kids or other students who were in class with me. So it wasn't just black kids but it was a private Catholic school and it also was an all boys school. So my experiences were actually pretty different from elementary school to high school outside of it being like a higher level. Um, so from my experience, being in private school was a very, I think serious experience because I think the big thing was my mom, she sent me to private school because she felt like it was gonna give me a better education. And, to, and there, were, there were good things that I think came from it, but there were also things that I wish were a little bit different. Me personally, I think that one thing that got a really big emphasis while I was in high school at least was writing. We, they were very, very big on writing in my high school. And I think that it's one of the reasons why I'm a good writer today outside of it being a natural talent for me. So that's one positive I got out of it. But as far as private school, like going to, going to a private school, and what that experience was like for me on that other side. I, I think that it was it was a little bit sheltered from, um, to a certain extent, but, but I also wanna say that the experience of the different like students that you're around, it was, I don't really think it was too much different than public school. I mean, you still had like kids who were bad. You still had kids who were um, like, like good, very smart. You know, you still had that kind of like same setup. There were just more rules and things like that. So. My experience was that it was pretty strict, but I've, I think that I'm the type of person because I've gone to college too and I went to a public college. Like, I don't think the experience of school was something that probably resonated with me personally and generally speaking, but I would say in private school, at least it was, it was kind of strict. 
do you believe that because people like to say, oh, private school kids turn out to be wild. Catholic school kids turn out to be wild. Do you feel like you're wild? And do you think that's true? Or is that like an old myth? I think it's kind of a myth because I think that every person is different. Everybody has like a different experience with the way that they take in things and then the way that they respond to them. So I think that could happen if you're in public school and then you go off to college and then you act like buck wild. But I also think that it can it can happen you know, if you do go to a private school as well, too, and you're like too sheltered and things like that. So I think that it, it really just depends on the person, honestly. I see. I see. I mm -hmm. see. OK, so you also um, talked about comics and I, I do have a couple questions about that. But oh, yeah. I feel like the people that I know personally who are into comics have been for a while, but there was always like a person that introduced them, I guess, to that world. Can mm -hmm. you recall maybe your first time getting your hands on like, you know, a comic book and what that was like? How did that feel? Um, and yeah, how did that feel? Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting that you asked that question because comics are pretty versatile. You can get many different things. I think anytime someone hears the word comic, they think of like superheroes, like you think of Marvel and DC and that type of thing. For me, I actually did read comic books when I was young. I didn't read very many, but the series that I was really into was Sonic the Hedgehog. So that was like my first hands-on experience with a comic book. And for me, that was another chapter, another door that was open for creativity because that was where me drawing little figurines and little cartoons and stuff like that. That's where a lot of that started. So that imaginative side started because I would see these different characters that were in Sonic the Hedgehog comics, like Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, people like that. They're real colorful. They all had different abilities. They had different personalities. And I'm like, well, that's really cool. I like like how versatile like everything was as a kid. Like I was able to, that, that resonated with me. So I think that was my first I guess, venture into the comic world or at least liking it. But as far as superhero comics, like when you see Superman, Batman, that type of thing, I didn't really get into that type of stuff until my actual college years. I would say deep in because I really wasn't into like superheroes like that too much. But somewhere around, I would say 21, 22, somewhere around that age is when I actually started somewhat getting into it. And then as I got older, I got more and more into it. I'm more more into the, the superhero thing, I guess. Okay, awesome, awesome. I remember being a kid and my mother, I can't remember where she was working. Shout out to mom. Uh, she mm -hmm. used to bring home, I don't know if it was a nursing home, I don't know what it was, but she used to bring home the, uh, the newspapers. Mm -hmm. Because I was always, you know, I was always into art. I was always drawing and she would see mm -hmm. the little, I guess they call them the funny pages. I don't know if that even still exists, but. Right. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So she would bring them yeah. home because we didn't get that particular newspaper in our neighborhood um, mm -hmm. with the comic strip. So she would, I don't know if she stole them. I don't know. Huh? Sorry, mom. Mm -hmm. um, but she would bring <laughs> home the newspaper and she'd be like, yeah. oh, look at this. And I used to really be into um, I want to say her name was Kathy. I can't, I don't even remember, but it was like some woman named Kathy that will, that was always freaking out, um, about mm -hmm. stuff. There was like this one, it was a family. I think it was like for better or for worse. Um, there was mm -hmm. Gilbert and there was Garfield. 
Mm. Those were the ones that stood out a lot to me. And that used to be like so exciting to just sit there and read the, the comic strips out of the paper. Now you mentioned Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. How do mm-hmm. you feel about Sonic? They had a Sonic movie. I want to say yep. wasn't that long ago. How did you feel about that specific movie since you obviously have a connection to Sonic the Hedgehog? I'm so glad you asked that question because I like you said, I'm, I'm a big Sonic the Hedgehog fan. And I just got to say, I was blown away by how good it was. And let me let me let me tell you why I say that. Because for me, whenever I think of a video game like adaptation that's being turned into a movie, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna suck. Cause I'm like, I'm kind of afraid of, of the way that it's gonna be produced. And a lot of times it does fail. With Sonic the Hedgehog, I was extremely impressed by the way that they did that movie. I I was happy with everything except. Um, the addition of the human characters. That wasn't, that was something I could have done without. Outside of that, I really thought that it was awesome. And I I can't tell you, I I just can't tell you enough. I'm so excited for the second one. The fact that they showed Knuckles, the fact that Knuckles was Idris Elba, like he's the perfect person to voice him. The fact that Knuckles is now a credible threat again. Like I can go on and on about how excited I am about the movies. Like I think that, they're doing a great job. And I'm, like I said, I'm really just excited for that second one. That's cool. That's cool. I, I must say I didn't like it. I didn't. Yeah. Like it. Um, yeah. But, you know, I feel like I didn't really, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember playing Sonic. Uh, what was it Sega Genesis? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was. Yeah, like, that was one of the systems. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I was into it as far as that, but mm-hmm. I was, I didn't really know Sonic outside of the video games. So I can understand why somebody who uh, really understands, you know, the characters and their stories, they would definitely, I guess, get more out of it versus somebody that is very unfamiliar and is trying mm-hmm. to learn about what's going on. And I don't know. <laughs> do it for yeah, me. right, right. Do Most you, definitely. Do you think there's such a thing as, how do I even word this? Because a lot of times if something is successful, um, you know, mm. they just want to keep pumping out stuff. We got to make mm. a, another movie. We got to make a, you know, we had the cartoon. We got to make a, a this, a that. And it's just like, do you feel like something should just be left alone? Or is it one of the things where as long as it's done properly um, and it's true to the original, I guess, theme, then it's all good. I know it's kind of a hard question because it depends, but do you ever say, man, I wish they would just leave this stuff alone? That's a, it's a, that's a good broad question. Um, the, so to answer that, I think it really does just depend. Like I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. So I think if it's something that everybody loved and treasured, like a TV show, everybody loved and treasured, they loved to watch, they were a huge fan of it, watched every episode, whatever. If they do that and then they go back and remake that show, I kind of am a little worried. I typically am kind of worried when when um, any producer does that. And that doesn't just go for like TV shows or uh, movies or anything like that. I mean, like for video games or anything that is a remake of something else. Typically, remakes 
I, I grow weary because I know one, it's a cash grab. People are like, okay, this is capitalism. People know, uh, know about this thing that I created. So they're bound to buy it again if I remake it and I put it out for a higher price. So I'm, that's definitely one thing for sure, for sure, for sure. But at the same time, it's also like, is it going to be as good? And are they going to change, change things up in a way where I'm not going to really enjoy it anymore? I do worry about that in that case. Whenever it's something that's like a, like a superhero show, or superhero, uh, yeah, superhero comic, and they're trying to make a show or movie adaptation. I sometimes wonder how they're going to play certain things, how they're going to change certain things up. But I think that a lot of times with like superhero movies and TV shows, they make their own stories essentially in a way. They kind of adapt some of those relationships that were made in the comics between certain characters, but then they change other things up and they also throw in their own characters. I'm okay with stuff like that as long as it doesn't go too far off the rail and it almost takes away from the identity of the characters and then the identity of the storyline that was being created. I think that it's fine to change a few things up here and there and it still would be a good product. So if it's a case of trying to remake a storyline that may have been in a comic and now it's in a TV show or movie, I think that's fine. But I seriously worry. Like when I say worry, I mean like worry, worry about whenever they take something that was originally put out was popular and remake it. That that's something that I, I just am not into. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel the vibes. You're like, nah, <laughs> not into it. Um, so I guess maybe an example of that could be, and mm. you know, let me know if I'm wrong, where some, mm. and I guess just in my mind, I'm thinking about maybe certain characters, maybe superheroes, mm. and they're like, okay, this was actually a white character. We're gonna make it black. Like, how <laughs> do you feel about that? Does that bother you, or are you like, you know what? Let's mm-hmm. you know, let's bring some color into it. How do you feel, especially as a person that you know is a comic creator? Yeah, so it's it's so funny that you brought that up, and the reason why is because the question you asked me is something that I directly talk about in my content. If anything, like you delved into a whole topic that I've actually made about this. So one thing I want to preface everybody about who's listening is when I say that my big thing is to focus on content creation from a book, comic, and game standpoint, I mean that in the interest of Black people. That's why, like, my nickname is the pro-Black Blurred King. So the reason why I'm pointing that out is because one of the things that I talk about a lot as far as uh, pro-Black topics and things that are related to Black people is why is there this issue of Black carbon copies? That's what I call the Black carbon copy trope. For me, it's kind of a problem. Now, it's, I, I think that Black people in the, in the blurred space, we, we have to have some form of culture. We have to have some form of seeing ourselves, or at least the notoriety of knowing, oh, there's a Black character in the comic space, so other Black characters can be made. I think that gives people some form of inspiration. However, that's very micro compared to the issue that I really see. The issue that I see is that you're taking a character who is white, you're making them Black, when you could just make a Black character. Because what it alludes to is this issue where it's a diversity ploy. So that's a white media company going and saying, you know what, we want to make sure that we look like we are, where we stand with Black people. And we do that by creating this Black character to show that we're in quote unquote solidarity with them. So for me, 
I always see that in the back of my head whenever I see a black carbon copy trope being done with a white character that gets turned black. Because my thing is, well, if you care so much about black people, just make more black characters. Don't make a white character who, who um, is white, make them into a black person. Because to me, I'm just going to see that it looks kind of shady. Ooh, cooking with grease. <laughs> I told you I'm honest. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And I think that that is so true. I, I look at it that way as well. I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, just, just make uh, some, some black characters, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just, yep. trying, like you said, it's kind of like the whole diversity thing. Um, and to be honest, I feel like it's kind of lazy. Like, yeah. I don't know. So that's that's very interesting. Now you mentioned the word blurred, um, mm -hmm. and I definitely wanted to touch on that. So mm -hmm. blurred. So okay, black nerd. So, right, the, the two words come together. That's a yep. so. I guess when I think of the word blurred, and oh my gosh, I hope nobody tries to jump on my head for this, but I feel like. Well, I, okay, let me, let me be careful. <laughs> let me be careful because I know, okay, to be a nerd or whatever, to be in that category and to be maybe in that category and be black, you know, is a specific experience. Like it's different. Do you feel like that's why there is a Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Winifred. Uh, don't be alarmed. There's still plenty more of this podcast episode to go. Um, I just wanted to take a break. One, because this was actually the time while I was having technical difficulties about recording. Um, so I was kind of editing through the pause. And I thought, you know what? Let me just jump in here and say thank you to everybody. Thank you for listening. Please make sure you support the guests. Um, you can check out uh, Cool Colas. Uh, Colas Creative, should I say, on Instagram at C-O-L-A-S-C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. -E. Um, his link tree is there so you can check out his podcast, which is really awesome. You can actually listen to it right after you listen to this one. Um, it's called the Pro Black Blurred Kingdom Podcast. So definitely keep those things in your brain. Scribble it down on a notepad so you can make sure to follow and check him out. And now we're just going to jump right back into the episode. Thank you so much. All right, so the term <laughs> blurred, black nerd. Mm -hmm. I guess my question really mm -hmm. is the term because when I hear it, I have two different feelings. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, to be a nerd, I guess, is I don't know if I would call that a unique experience, but you know, you are in your nerd, your nerd crew, right? And you go through nerd things, I guess, whatever that's supposed mm -hmm. to be. So if you are a black nerd um, <laughs> that's like a whole different uh mm -hmm. experience so why do you feel like it was necessary for that term to even be created like why do you feel like it has to be specific mm -hmm. like i'm a black nerd how do you feel about that yeah so i think that it's specific outside of it being black plus nerd like those two words blended I think the entire experience of being a black nerd versus being a nerd is different. I think our jokes, our understanding of our culture, and then even some of our desires from the way that we look at nerdy quote unquote things is different. Now, I did wanna break down that 
uh, that statement that you made a little bit earlier and just now about nerd. So I think some people give it a negative connotation, but I think that it sounds a little bit more pleasant, like something that you'd be able to, to grasp onto than something like geek. Like if somebody called you a geek, it just sounds weird, like for somebody to call you that as if like, like you're something's wrong with you. But for me, I feel like a lot of people grasp onto the blurred culture because we are into the things that nerds are into, but we try to envision ourselves in that space because typically if you look at some of the things that are in, in nerd culture, it's usually white people portraying the roles of something that's a little bit more imaginative, sometimes more whimsical, and sometimes more uh, fantasy related than what an average person may find entertainment in. So we envision ourselves who grew up watching these nerdy things didn't see ourselves too much in those spaces. So now that's why we desire for that to happen, for that to be more of that experience. So we see the the what has been created in nerd culture and even like the corniness of it, because like, to be honest, nerd culture is a little bit more corny than, than blurred culture is because we have a certain understanding of the general black experience, but we also have that mixture of enjoying nerdy things such as anime or such as playing different video games or being into something like superhero comics or, you know, things like that. So I think the distinction there is that the black experience is still very important and is prevalent to the minds of blurs, whereas nerds just enjoy the idea of things that are just whimsical without considering the, the black experience. That was so very well said. I, I didn't, I never really, <laughs> you're welcome. I never really thought about it like that. Um, but that is actually an excellent, excellent point. I was going to ask you if you thought Steve Urkel was the original blurred, but maybe I should not. Maybe I should keep that to myself. <laughs> Unless you want to answer. I can answer that. <laughs> yes, answer first, please. I can answer that. Yeah. Um, I think that he is probably your most exaggerated caricature of a blur. So he's so he's a so he's a blurred, yes, but he's like an exaggerated caricature because there's a lot of us who are blurred who present themselves like I do. Like if you see me, I mean, you probably wouldn't get that impression that, oh, he's like the the biggest nerd on the planet. Like I don't have like big bifocals and suspenders and my pants are as high as my chest. Like I ain't got all that going on. But at the same time, we have a different experience than just having that archetype that you see from someone like a Steve Urkel. Now, mind you, I actually kind of like the Steve Urkel character for a lot of different reasons. I did, however, feel that he is somewhat of like a, the most cartoony human version that you would see of a nerd if they were Black. I agree. I agree. He was definitely kind of like you know, I don't want to say extreme, but you know, mm -hmm. definitely all in TV. Uh, I I've never met a nerd period like Steve Urkel. <laughs> so right, definitely, even probably the most quote unquote nerdiest person I could ever imagine that I or have ever experienced wasn't like that. So I totally get oh, yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you back to you, you know, you create comics. So can you talk about that? Um, 
that mm-hmm. experience, like where your mind goes when you create, you know, do you have a special like routine? Do you have to be in a certain place? Does it have to be total silence? Like what is your creative process like when you are creating um, comics? So for me, I think the biggest thing is that I have to, I don't really have a, a specific place per se, but I have a specific setting where I know that I'll be the most productive. So as far as the setting goes, I work best at night and I do work better when it's quiet or at least light jazz music because I'm really into jazz music personally. I also work really well when it's raining. For some reason, I find a lot of calmness and rain and I would even say thunderstorms because I know a lot of people there are afraid of them. But for me, like I actually find a lot of like calmness and tranquility in them. And to be honest, I find so much in it. I actually have to sit at the table when, whenever it's like raining because I'm probably going to fall asleep because you, you know how it gets like when you're you're in your crib, and you know, you're on the couch and mm-hmm. it's raining and you're like, OK, I'm going to take a nap. It's like after work, I don't really have anything else to do. So I'm, I'm going to just nap right now. So I, I do enjoy the tranquility of nighttime and it being able to have helped me with those creative juices and for that to flow. As far as the process of actually creating comics, I think for me, the biggest thing that I do is I try to imagine ways that I would like to world build because that's very important for me is building worlds so that people don't just see, hey, I'm building a comic book character and just a comic book story. I wanna build multiple stories that interact with each other. So as if I have my own comic world outside of DC, outside, I guess like that's, would be adjacent to like DC or Marvel, like in in that kind of like ballpark. So I see my comic creations as entities that are gonna build and branch off into other things. And when I am creating these different stories, I think about ways that I can world build and I have to try to have a vision for the way I want that world to look. From my standpoint, what I see is that there are not major black comic creators out there who are interested in the things that I'm interested in with me pro-blackness is a big thing. So I want to make comics that are very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not helpful to, but adhere more to black culture and pro-black culture. It's just something that you typically don't really see. Like you can maybe see traces of it in certain things that they may do in Marvel, certain things that they may do in DC, but I see a lot of tropes behind that as well too. And so for me, I think my biggest thing is I'm a black creator. So if I'm making comics, I want to be able to represent us in the best light that I possibly can. Because what I see is that if you go to white comic media, they don't represent you in the way that you deserve to be represented. They represent you for the sakes of, as we spoke about before, diversity. And for the sakes of saying, hey, we stand behind black people, which is a statement for them, not necessarily in the best interest of us. So I go in with those types of mindsets whenever I create any of my comics. And I try to just build stories that are relatable, but also different in things that you typically don't see. I love that. I love that. And, you know, with me being a writer, you know, I always feel like this, like sense of responsibility, like with the characters that I create and the stories I tell. And sometimes I'll go back and change things because I'm like, okay, I don't want it to be, you know, Mm -hmm. stereotypical and just be this what everybody is is used to seeing you know I feel like okay I have to really take my time with these characters and make sure that they have you know different layers and different experiences because there is Mm -hmm. like this whole 
notion like we all like the black experience is one big thing and we all just mm-hmm. go through one mega experience like we do but mm-hmm. we like we're all unique you know we all have our individual stories and I think a lot of people just I'm not gonna say a lot of people I'm gonna say some people just mm-hmm. assume when you're you're born black you know you're gonna go through this you're gonna go through this you're gonna go through this and it's not always yep. as black and white or cookie cutter or whatever how they want to say it so I like that yep. a lot okay so I feel like I got so, so many more questions, but I'm, I'm going to get through these. So as a game creator, um, I believe you were saying it is board games. Am I correct? That's correct. That's correct. Okay, cool. Because I think this is really awesome. And I love board games. I actually have a bunch of board games. And I do feel like I'm seeing more, not to say that they never existed, but I feel like I'm more aware of games um, that are being created by Mm -hmm. black people which i think is great however (laughs) it kind of goes back into what we were just talking about like for example i have this game at home uh Mm -hmm. it's the black card game have you heard of that (laughs) i have heard of that before black card revolt yes black card yeah yep yep that game and it's funny you know whatever Mm -hmm. we can joke and this and that um yeah and it's because we're like, oh, at home, we're like, oh, we should, you know, play this game with people who are not black. That make it even more funny. Um, <laughs> but tell me about, you know, your games. Um, maybe mm-hmm. tell us about them and where um, we could get them. So I actually have not produced any board games yet as far as for sale. I've created concepts though. And I've created at this point, maybe somewhere between three to four different game concepts with at least three to four more that I could potentially create if I wanted to and spend more time on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So as of right now, I probably will plan on trying to put something out maybe in the next couple of years or so once I get a little bit more steady into my writing projects and maybe into a comic project or something like that. But going back to the board game thing, one of the reasons why I wanted to create board games is because I wanted to, once again, take fun and take education and combine the two and be able to create that that medium. So I think that what typically happens with people is they go to the education system. And I could talk about that all day. I have a lot of problems with the education system or what I like to call the indoctrination system, if I'm being like brutally honest. Mm. Um, and what I like to do is um, I like to, to you know, take a look at some of the issues that existed there and see how I can put them into board games. And the reason why is because I think about the concept of how our people operate. Our people, they love to be entertained. We love to be entertained and we love to entertain. So with that, the, the, I think the best way that we can do that is to take some of these concepts that we're trying to learn when we're in school and other places like that and put them into something that's fun. Because for me personally, that's one of the things that I do to have fun. I invite people over, like friends. Sometimes I go to families, uh, my family's play uh, crib. Sometimes they come to me, whoever, and we play board games. We eat, we have drinks and you know things like that. So I think that's just a, like a fun activity for me because it brings people together. But it also, like I said, is fun and you can learn a lot of things from playing board games. A lot of the board games that I have been creating, though, have been doing two things specifically. They've been teaching you a lot about other people and and 
being able to have discernment in those who are around you and then also in yourself when you're playing these games. So you're learning about the people you're playing with. And then the other thing I wanna do is teach black people about like their history and things that they didn't necessarily know about themselves. So I have a game that kind of centers around that as well too. But I think those are the big things, especially when we think about like-mindedness and we think about unity and we think about people who we want to be able to surround ourselves with. So those are my main motivations in trying to create board games. I think that's excellent. I think that's really cool. And I do, I definitely feel like it's a special, I don't know, like a special moment when you're playing games, whether it's with friends or family. Um, I know growing up, Traditionally, Thanksgiving came with Uno. Like me, my sister, all my cousins, you know, mm -hmm. it didn't matter how old you were, like you knew after we ate, we're going to get on the carpet, we're going to play Uno. Um, yep. It's just a lot of fun. You know, it's something that you don't like game board games um, or card mm -hmm. games are not something that you do every day. So when you do do them, um, it's very refreshing. And it's great. It's engaging. You know what I mean? Like you're in, yeah. it. like if you're, looking at your phone or, you know, doing all this stuff, like you're not really playing. And we won't even sit you at the table. If if we know you're about that life, you're not playing for real, don't even sit down. Cause like, don't even come right. to the table. Cause we are, we are playing for real. Like we're playing for blood. Right, <laughs> right. No, I'm with you. I'm, with, I'm definitely with you on that. <laughs> all right. So I got a couple more things to get into. So tell me you have a book uh, on yeah. Amazon and mm -hmm. that's awesome okay we are we are amazon uh writer cousins right now so <laughs> amazon family <laughs> in the house so cool cool about <laughs> rem realm curse of a billionaire talk about it so we can all get excited um for it and to go get it yeah so the book is called um rim realm curse of a billionaire so to break it down a little bit the, the way i came up with the title is rim as an rem sleep and then realm as in like an area or a space. So that's kind of where the book centers around is thinking about the idea of dreams and the idea of sleeping and what that induces. The book, I, I wrote I wrote this based on the fact that I used to get these very intense and strange dreams. I still get strange dreams. I'm sure everybody does to some extent. But um, I wanted to make something that was fun and whimsical and also very imaginative. And... I wanted to create a series that one could attach themselves to, like they could see themselves being invested in the characters into the story. And they felt like they were going on an adventure with the characters in the story. So I wrote this series specifically as a trilogy and I wanted it to kind of mirror the idea of what JK Rowling was doing with Harry Potter. What she wanted to do was she wanted to create a series of uh, magical wizardry. And the idea there is that um, you have these wizards and witches who, you know, have magical powers and things like that. And um, they're all like going to school to be able to learn how to become like better uh, magical beings. And, you know, you get the story of Harry Potter. For me, I wanted to create like a story where there was a dream world. You're seeing this individual who's going through these different intense dreams and seeing how they handle all of that and then how that how that scope changes so the idea of the book just to kind of give you a quick just idea of what you're getting into is the book is about this guy and he's a billionaire and he does something to one of his workers and um he mistreats him basically 
and he ends up getting a curse that put on him and this curse gives him this weird scenario where he may have something happen to him where he may be like driving or he may be in the middle of doing something he falls asleep and he has these very intense dreams so he has to go through the course of each of these dreams to try to figure out how to uh move on to the next one so that's the general idea of what it's about but there's a lot of curveballs and twists and turns that are thrown in there that makes it a little bit uh interesting to to read so the idea there was to tell an interesting story but also at the same time teach people little subjects about like race like little things about race specifically white supremacy and the way it functions but i didn't want to tell a story like that in a way where it soaks you in trauma sauce and i've talked about trauma sauce in a couple of my posts before but that's the thing i was trying to avoid i wanted to be able to to teach people some things about that through this character who's going through these different things, but then also tell something that was very fun for people to read. So yeah, I think anybody who reads will, will definitely enjoy themselves. I love it. I love it. That sounds very, very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I always love to see when other people have books on Amazon. So shout mm -hmm. out to you. Congrats on you. putting that together and getting it out there um mm -hmm. because that's a thing there's a process to it you know so shout out to you for that most definitely now i want to cover just a few more things real quick so <laughs> you are cool. on youtube and mm -hmm. you have to what i believe let me know if i'm wrong that you have two youtube pages right that's right okay so mm -hmm. you are a youtuber for real um yep talk about because People listening right now, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually can see him, like he's on camera. So you are not, it, it appears that you are not one that is camera shy whatsoever. Talk mm -hmm. about creating a YouTube because a lot of people, uh, myself, um, talking to myself and others mm -hmm. find it so difficult. Like I personally do not like being on camera even though I do it for the gram, but it's not mm -hmm. something I get excited to do. I don't like being on camera. And so YouTube has been a struggle for me to sure. get one video up and you sir have two youtube so are you were you just born for the camera like tell us <laughs> <laughs> yeah so as far as my youtube page goes i have one for colas creative then i have a actual food review channel that i actually do with my wife now the colas creative youtube page i haven't had a chance to focus on it so much and that's mostly because i've been focusing a lot on instagram and making posts there and also podcasting as well too but i will be uploading some things once i get a chance to do that and things kind of wind down where i'm able to continue to build that following and whatnot um as far as my other youtube channel i do food reviews and i do them specifically for black owned restaurants so the, the idea there is to put black owned restaurants on the map because outside of me being a creative a writer a, a game creator um, into pro-black culture, into that type of thing. Outside of all of that, I am a big foodie, big, big, big foodie. So for me, I feel like that was a great way for me to be able to put black businesses on the map, but also to enjoy different types of food. So I have been doing both of them. Um, I've been doing the, the I, guess, I would say like the food reviews videos a little bit more and a little bit longer. And I've been putting a little bit more into that because you know that that's another interest of mine and i'm doing a lot of this creative stuff on instagram but as far as being on youtube i actually enjoy being in front of the camera and i mostly enjoy it because for me like 
I don't really have a problem with being myself. I, I like who I am. I don't really care too much what other people think. So, and I also know too that the people who resonate with the things that I have to say will definitely enjoy and support what I have to say. And the people that won't, they just won't. That's not really like too much of a problem for me. So I just, I'm myself. And I think that's probably the reason why I'm not very camera shy and why I just enjoy, you know, speaking and showing my face. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to mm -hmm. me. And listen, I don't like people looking at me. That's just what it is for me. I don't, I don't like getting on stages. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like, but I've been really like pushing myself to be comfortable, you know, being uncomfortable. That's kind of been like my theme for a while, just doing it. Um, but I think that's awesome that, you know, like you enjoy that. And I'm, I was also going to tap into this foodie thing. So what is the difference? Mm -hmm. between a person who just likes food and a foodie because I feel like there's a big difference and not everybody understands so how would you how do you feel about that answer that yeah so I think that a lot of it is in the um perspective more more than anything and I think it kind of just depends for me personally I, I'll give you an example the reason why I call myself a foodie is because I see eating as an activity. Some people see eating as just a necessity or it's like, oh, they know what food they like, they know what food they dislike and that's about it. But with me, I actually enjoy the activity and the idea of going out and eating and trying different foods and different things. Some people are very conservative. They only wanna try certain stuff or they have a certain go-tos and they wanna stick to that. With me, I'm not really like that. I'm experimental, I like to try all different types of stuff. And I think that what makes me a foodie in that respect is I actually go out of my way, even when I travel, like go to different places to find like the, the spots that are local for wherever that area is at. So for me, I think that I'm a foodie because I see when I go on vacation, the main thing that I'm always looking forward to is what food am I going to get to try when I get to this state? or when I go to this country, or when I go to this place, not even necessarily like, what am I going to do? But literally, what am I going to eat? What foods am I going to be able to bring back when I go back home? Like, those are the things that I'm mostly like into. And I think that that fixation on food kind of makes me a foodie because I, because I like, I see like the, the value in just trying different stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and I, I totally, <laughs> I totally agree. You know, have you ever traveled with people and you want to, I know me personally, when I travel, like, I want to know what is this place known for? Like, what is the biggest thing in this city or state? Like, cause yep. it seems like everywhere you go, there is some type of food, dessert, whatever, or maybe it could be a drink that mm -hmm. is kind of like the local thing. Um, even if I'm out of the country, yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, what is their cultural food? I want to try it. Like, I always want to try something, but then you have people that you'll travel with and they'll be like, all right, where's the McDonald's at? Where's the subway? And it's just like, bro, we could have we had that at home, okay? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. All right. So I have a game that we're going to play to close out, but I did also, because I know you are also a podcaster represent. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of looking, I was like, hmm, these topics are kind of on fire. So mm -hmm. <laughs> tell me about, you know, being a podcaster. Is there anything that I, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but there is there anything that you're just like, huh, maybe I shouldn't talk about that? Or do you mm -hmm. just kind of let it all out on your podcast, which is uh, the pro-black blurred kingdom? Okay. That's right. 
So for my podcast, I, I do want to explain a little bit of what it's about and then kind of go into that. But basically what I talk about is combining the blurred world with the pro-black world, which are two spaces that are totally separate that typically don't get conjoined, but I'm really conjoining the two. So some of my topics may be pro-black, some of my topics may be about blurred stuff, and some of it may be about content, uh, content I am creating. So it's kind of a mixture of all of that. My topics, I'm not gonna lie to you, are extremely raw. I, I tell what I believe is the truth. Mm. I'm and very informative and is analytically polished. So for me, I let it all out. And the reason why is because I feel like I don't have anything to hide by being truthful. I want others to know who I am. I want others to know what I represent. And I want others to know what my stances are on things as far as what's important to me and why that what I do and the things that I care about are in the best interest from my perspective of our people. So I'm willing to have uncomfortable conversations. I'm willing to say things that people may not necessarily resonate with. And the reason why is because for me, everything that I'm saying is for that purpose of being in the best interest of our people. And I also think that it's informative because the conversations that I have are ones that people typically do try to shy away from. So um, I, I would say that you're probably gonna get a lot of just realness from my topics if I'm, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, we are going to move right along to this quick, quick game. And then I'm going to give you the floor to kind of give any final words, let everybody know how they can support you, where they can follow you, find you, all that great stuff. Um, so mm -hmm. this game kind of just came to mind. And when I play games with uh, my amazing guests, they're so random. Most times they have nothing to do with anything we talked about. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. I sprinkle in just randomness. Um, so your game is actually related to what we just talked about, you know, being a foodie and food mm -hmm. and restaurants. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and mm -hmm. I want you to just keep it real. It's about different restaurants, um, uh -huh. giving me some examples. So um, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So my first question is name a restaurant that is overrated in your opinion restaurant that's overrated overrated does it have to be a fast food restaurant or does it have to be like a sit down like any what type restaurant. of restaurant any restaurant well, under the sun okay i would say a restaurant that is overrated that i personally cannot stand is subway i hate subway <laughs> <laughs> that one hit me in the chest but you know what I do agree that it is overrated I mean it's been a long time since I've had it but I yeah, it definitely is high. all right cool 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 yeah um, <laughs> next question mm -hmm. name a restaurant that lives up to the hype from my perspective I think Chick-fil-a does definitely mm -hmm. <laughs> no, <laughs> argument, no argument there um, yeah what so is good. what is a restaurant that you feel every human being should experience? Like it is just that amazing. Everyone should should go at some point in life. Man, there's so many though. There's there's literally so many restaurants that fit that bill. Uh, I can't see, and the ones that are coming to mind are not chains. That's the thing. Mm, or you can 
name it and you know shout out that that restaurant and you know people can look into it okay so one restaurant that i absolutely love and it's in grand rapids michigan which is about like 45 minutes away from where i currently live at is i don't know if it's called chez olga or shay olga i don't know how to say it properly but i'm just gonna say chez olga if you look at it the reason why i want to shout that restaurant out is because they have the best haitian caribbean food i think i have ever tasted it is so freaking good and the best thing they have is the seafood gumbo i'm telling you it's just it's just so good it's so good Oh my gosh, with you just saying that, I'm just like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta take a trip, you know, Haiti represent, you know, Haitian American stand up. Yeah. Right, so that's awesome. Um, so my next question, I feel like you kind of already answered it, but just a restaurant that you think is total trash, like you will never set foot in there again. I know you kind of mentioned Subway, but I don't know if there was another place that you went to and you were like, never again. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie to you. That's a couple restaurants, but. Um, one that comes to mind that was absolutely just disgusting to me, like just just total trash, was Joe's Crab Shack. That was the most one of one of the most disgusting restaurants I think I've ever been into, outside of like Subway and a few others. Um, I think it's trash because I think that the I'm just gonna be honest with you, I think the seafood kind of tastes like plastic. Yeah. It has an aftertaste. It's it's disgusting. It's rubbery. It's over. It's over expensive. It's not cooked right. Overall, I just would not recommend it. And like, I, I honestly rather eat dirt than eat, that, eat at that restaurant. Wow. Wow. <laughs> dang. I, I'm like, I feel like I need to be outraged too. I'm like, dang. That really, I feel <laughs> the vibes. Like, you're like, uh-uh. Never, ever, ever. Okay. It was not good. <laughs> Yikes. Um. All right. So this is going to be my last one. And so <laughs> during the pandemic, unfortunately, there have mm -hmm. been, you know, restaurants that did not make it that had yeah. to close their doors. So mm -hmm. I was wondering if there was any restaurant maybe that you're aware of that had to close its doors that you really wish could just open back up. That's a tough question. Uh, because like a lot of the restaurants that I typically go to, they stayed open um, even in spite of the, the, of the pandemic. Now there, I will say this though. So there's this restaurant where I live in, in the city of Kalamazoo and it had two restaurants that ended up combining into one. And I think it had something to do with, I think maybe money or the pandemic or whatever. And this restaurant is called Cookies Five Star Grill. The reason why I want to talk about this restaurant is because where I live at, which is in West Michigan, they don't really have a lot of like soul food and even like Creole seafood places. And this place was always hitting the spot every single time. And so now like they combine into one place and they have, they have soul food and they have some things that are seafood related. They used to have all these different meals that were just amazing. And one in particular they used to have was the seafood po' boy. And it used to have all types of stuff between like shrimp, um, crab, and lobster and all types of things in it and it had a nice sauce to it. it had other stuff in it as well too and they don't really make that anymore and that kind of kind of kind of hurts my soul a little bit i ain't gonna lie to you kind of <laughs> hurts a little bit but um they do still do like like loaded seafood fries which is cool i just wish that they had that seafood extension that they had before so i would say maybe that would be the one that kind of that one restaurant closed down thankfully they had the other one 
and they can still do business, but I just wish both were still up. Mm, All this mm. food talk has me like, oh my gosh. Um, and just thinking about restaurants. So, okay. So just because my favorite restaurant, just because now I'm thinking about it, because we talked about seafood, it is actually called Mason's Lobster Roll. Okay. Mm. It is my favorite place on earth to go like mm. whatever's going down and they're like okay let's celebrate we're going to mason's lobster roll so if anybody's listening and you like lobster rolls i know they have them sprinkled all over maryland you know i'm in the dmv maryland's like really big on seafood and all that good stuff right but, <laughs> but you know it's i feel like everybody in life if you're into that and if of course you're not like allergic we don't want you to like you know um, right. You should try Mason's Lobster Roll. So, all right. Well, that was cool. That was cool. So, I'm gonna give you the floor. Mm-hmm. Give you the last couple minutes to just, you know, let people know how they can support the movement and everything we have going on. The floor is yours. Most definitely. So, there's a couple different places that you can support me at, depending on what you like and the things that you're interested in. The first thing is at Colos Creative on Instagram. I have an Instagram page where I talk about again pro-Black topics that also concern my writing projects, my comics, and then board games. So those are the main three things that I focus on from a pro-Black perspective. I also have a Twitter page under that same hashtag, which is at Colas Creative. I have a YouTube channel called TJ Foods. That's where you can hear, see, hear and see my food reviews for these different restaurants that I was talking to you all about. Another place that you all can find me at is the at on anchor for podcast on google podcast and you can also find me on spotify at the pro black blurred kingdom podcast i speak a lot about the topics that i also talk about my instagram page there as well and the last thing that i want to plug you all with is that i have a website and on my website i have a lot of different things from some of the creative topics that i talk about i talk about a lot of black think pieces i actually have a free screenplay that I did called The Zoo that talks about my college experience here in Callum Zoo. And then I also have other paraphernalia that you can purchase on this website. And that you can find that at creativecolos.com. So that is once more creativecolos.com. So you can support me on all those different areas and just go to what you like. Fantastic. And I'm sorry, I just have one question because I feel like somebody, somebody's going to wonder, somebody's probably going to ask, Colox, where does that come from? Um, What does that mean? Is that a part of your, your real name? Like, tell us about that. I'm curious. So I'm so very glad that you asked that question because there is a whole story to it. And it's, it's a, uh, it's just a whole bot. That's all I'm going to say. It's a whole bot. So the first thing is, I got the name Colas from when I was in high school. And the reason why is because I had a Spanish teacher and she told us that we all had to come up with these Spanish nicknames that we were gonna use for the remainder of the year when we had her as a teacher. So I'm thinking like, okay, I don't identify with Spanish, Hispanic culture or anything like that to any extent whatsoever. So I don't know what I'm gonna come up with. So I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm like, uh, I'm gonna take the end. My name is Nicholas. That's my first name, Nicholas. And I took the end, the I and the H out of my name, and then got Colos. Now, the reason why I use the name Colos is because I was like, that sounds kind of Spanish-ish. But I'm like, I'm black. I don't really identify with that culture, but that sounds kind of Spanish-like. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with that. So you know, it stuck. 
And then after a while, it got kind of catchy. And so then I took the word cool and I put it in front of Colossus. And the reason why I put cool in front of Colossus was because I said, well, I represent an individual who is authentic, not afraid to be himself, likes himself, despite what other people think one way or another. And someone who was big on like, who was big on just um, authenticity and, and just saying, you know, what's, what's on his mind. So I felt like that was the true definition of cool and, you know, being content in oneself. So I call myself cool colas for that reason. That name stuck. It became a hashtag that I used all over social media. And other people even started referring to me as cool colas to some extent. So I had this name that I made back when I was 15 years old. And here I am, 31 years old, still using the name. So that's where it came from. And then the last thing I want to say about that is I later found out after having this name that is actually a, a red fruit that's in Africa. So I said, oh, so this has some like little black origins to it too. So I'm really going to stick with it now because now it's like red's my favorite color. It has African origins. And that's the name I came up with. I, I feel like it was all like, that's what I said, it's all a vibe. It's all something that just came together. So that's the story. That is definitely a vibe. I love that. I love that. I love how, like you said, that all kind of ties in together. Um, I'm so glad I asked because it was in my mind and I was like, you know what? I know somebody else is going to see this or see something and, and wonder. So I'm, I'm really glad we covered that. Thank you so, right. so, so very much for being a guest here on the podcast. Um, I keep it real with my listeners. And so I just have to say today has been like such a wonky day, had some internet, you know, issues and this and that and the third. So thank you so much for hanging in there um, and, you know, completing the podcast episode. And uh, I really appreciate your time. And thank you for, you know, sharing this all with us, sharing your audience with me. Um, and yeah, I look forward to, you know, continuing to learn about what you're doing and seeing all the awesome things that you have growing up take off. So thank you so much. Um, you're greatly appreciated. Thank you for having me. It was great. All right. So we're going to go ahead and end this episode. Um, shout out to the listeners and <laughs> make sure you follow, support, like, comment, share all that good stuff. Check him out on all the different places that he currently is. And we're going to close it for now. All right, everybody take care. All right. See y'all later. Tell me that that episode wasn't fire had such a great time um so i just wanted to say because i know we name dropped a couple restaurants listen subway i enjoy your cookies okay the chocolate chip cookies delicious um then they have like the i think it's like a raspberry white chocolate um that comes out they have like a cinnamon one you know they bring out different flavors during the holidays <laughs> so shout out uh to the subway bakery um, but yeah, that was definitely a great time. So many great things to discuss. We might even have to do a part two at some point. Um, but I'm very happy for this young man, all the things that he has going on. Definitely check out his podcast, check out his social media, check out his YouTube. I'm going to include, um, all the different links and things in the show notes so you can access them. So I've kept you long enough. Thank you so much for rocking out with me. Been having a great time doing these interviews this month. And I have just one more, uh, that I'm going to drop for the month of March and then we're going to move it on to April with some more solos. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Peace.